The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. Pastor John last week spoke about 2016 and he declared the year of success, which is lovely. And he spoke last week about um, how we can draw in success and favor into our life. And if you weren't here, just go onto our website. Everything is free there, so you can just download it and, um, and be really blessed by that. But, you know, we all want success. Is there anyone that doesn't want success here today? Okay. We all want success, uh, and there are positive things that we can do. But one of the things I really want to focus on this morning is to be successful, it's really important, the choices that we make, and we've got that quote up there, in the dark time. Oh, it's not up there. Okay. Um, It's the choices that we make when things are going tough. And often that's related to our God concepts. Um, In the middle of last year, I was speaking to Jenny Windy, and I saw your face here somewhere. Beautiful Jenny is one of our creative as well. Um, And we were having a chat, and she was telling me about all these things that were happening in her life and really stretching her and challenging her. And, you know, it was tough. And I I think I said something like, oh, my goodness. I mean, did you pray for patience? Ha, ha, ha. And she, with a grin and very sheepishly said, well, actually, I have. To which my response was sort of like, you prayed for patience? Who in the right mind prays for patience? Because if you pray for patience, oh, my gosh, look what happens. And so I must have said or done something for her to respond. And her response was very beautifully and sweetly. She just said, you know, I have a good, good father. And if he wants to test me in this way, he knows what is best for me. And so I trust him. And at that point, we had a freeze frame. You know, like on the movies where it's just everyone's still, but action carries on, but they're stuck. Well, I was in the freeze frame thinking, oh my gosh, and what just happened to your God concept? Because by me even suggesting to her, don't pray for patience, otherwise God's going to you know, cause all these things to go wrong for you, I'd forgotten that I have a good, good father. And Jenny was going, well, if I pray for patience and things happen, it's only for my good because I have a good father and I can trust him. And it was great. I loved it. I loved it. I was challenged by that, Jen. And right throughout the year, I've, I've meditated on that. And the song that we sing, You're a Good, Good Father, we sang it just now. It so just reminds me. And it's funny because the, the words, you're a good, good father, that's the line that echoes in my mind and I forget the rest. But I love that bit. You're a good, good father. That will affect the way we respond to the challenges of 2016. And I want to compare two people in the Old Testament. We have Joseph on one side and Naomi on the other side. Last week, Pastor John was speaking about Joseph, and I thought he was going to pinch my sermon, but he didn't. So it's sort of just underlining. So I'm just going to remind you, in case you weren't here or you're not familiar with the story, extremely briefly, Joseph was a guy. He had 11 brothers. He was dad's favorite. God gave him a promise about greatness, but then his brothers got really jealous, and they decided to kill him. So that's not nice. If you've got brothers and they really decide to kill you, I mean, they threaten us all the time. Any of us who have big brothers or whatever, you know, I'm going to kill you, but they never do, hopefully. But anyway, these brothers were going to kill him, really. Anyway, they changed their mind and they sold him as a slave, which is really nice of them, really. Anyway, so he went to Egypt and he was a slave in Egypt. 
And, you know, I wouldn't like to be a slave in Egypt, especially back then, even now. And so um, he was sold as a slave. He rose through the ranks, still kept his faith in God. Now, we're not really sure how he kept his faith in God. All we know is that he obviously did. Because what happened, he was sold as a slave. Then he got falsely accused of rape. That's not nice. And thrown into prison. Now, the prisons there were horrible, but he rose through the ranks of the prison. But for 13 years, from the time he was sold until his life changed, 13 years, that's a long time. Even in a textbook, 13 years is a long time. And on the 12th year and the 51st week, he had no idea how the story was going to end. But you know what he was doing? He was choosing to believe he had a good, good father. He was still hanging on to the promises of God. I don't know how he did it. He didn't have the Bible back then. He didn't have the song, but he kept on doing it. Yeah? He was making good choices. And his heart is revealed in um, Genesis 45. He, this is what Joseph says to his brothers. So he becomes the second in charge of Egypt. Okay? So, and Egypt was the powerful um, nation of, of the, the world at the time. He becomes second in charge. So he, he's got incredible power gets reunited with the brothers. They're scared he's going to kill them now in revenge. And he says this, God did this. He sent me here to keep you and your families alive so that you will become a great nation. Yes, it was God who sent me here, not you. Amazing God concept. He was saying, I have a good, good father who's worked this all out for good. I love that. Now, compare that with a lady called Naomi. She's in the book of Ruth. Naomi and the whole family had to go um, to another country because of a famine in the land. While they're in this strange country, her husband dies. Horrible. If you've been widowed, you know the pain. Then her son dies. Incredible grief. And then the second son, the last son, dies. So she loses all the men in her life, all the providers. She's left in this strange country. She goes to her daughter-in-laws and says, girls, you go back home. I can't look after you. I'm going to go back to the town that I came from. And she says this, the Lord himself has caused me to suffer. The hand of the Lord is against me. What sort of God concept is that? He's not saying I have a good, good father. He's saying this is God. She goes back to her hometown and there they look at her and they go, is this Naomi? She obviously was so changed now. And this is what she says to them. Don't call me Naomi, because Naomi meant pleasant. She says, call me Mara, which means bitter, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. So her God concept is, this is God's doing. God has made my life bitter. My name now is bitter. What a difference between Joseph and Naomi. And what made the difference? The choice. The choice of what they should choose. The good or God is not a good father. That was their choice. And we have these choices all the time. And so I want to unpack something for you today um, to help you when you're faced with the choices. Because throughout 2016, you will have challenges. 
We all had challenges in 2015. Pastor John and I, as you know, if you belong to our church, we had a massive challenge in, in May of this year, which, you know, devastated our heart. And we had to make choices how we would respond. I love what Matt said about don't bring in the baggage from the last year, but let's move into a new year. Um, but sometimes it's he- easier said than done because you will get challenges. Maybe people that you love will die this year. Maybe you'll lose your job. Maybe relationships will get strained. Maybe your health will go belly up. Who knows? We don't know what challenges are coming. And every time we get a challenge like that, we start what we call a grief journey. And we have to go through that grief journey. And it's during that grief journey, the choices that we make are going to determine how we're going to come out the other end. So I want to show you a tool that I've developed as a chaplain. If you don't know, I'm a a chaplain. I've been for 17 years. I'm also a disaster chaplain and now an ambulance chaplain. And I'm dealing with people in the grief journey all the time at a whole new level for me. Um, And so let's just look at this, the grief journey, okay? You're going along merrily and some... Something happens, some sort of loss. You have cancer. I'm leaving you. I don't love you anymore. Your job's gone. You've gone bankrupt. Whatever it is. It could be smaller losses which still break your heart. Okay? When you come out of the loss, the first thing that happens is that feeling there of being shocked and numb. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe that this is happening to me. And at that place, sometimes you can be, why did God let this happen to me? I hear that all the time, and often it's just a a reaction of venting, what we call venting. It's, why did God let this happen? This is so unfair. It's amazing that often people will say that, and yet in the time preceding the loss, when everything's been going well, they haven't given God a thought. So uh, let's be careful that we're not one of those people. Anyway, the shock and numb, when you're in that shock-numb phase... When it's so hard to take in what's happening to you and your, your emotions may get numb for a while, which is probably a good way to preserve yourself, your spirit may also get affected. We are body, soul, and spirit intertwined like that. And sometimes your spirit will get affected, which is why people can say, I can't feel God's help at this time. Now, you may be in the minority, and I say the minority, who go, Oh, wow, this is a terrible loss, but God is here and he's carrying me through. If that happens to you, and I'm talking about a big loss, then you are blessed because that's a minority. Because I deal with pastors going through trials. And when we go through that numb, we can almost, it's like our, our spirit can be numb. We can't even feel God. What do we do when we think, where is God? Is he here? I can't sense him. The word's not making sense. This is really, really hard. What do I do? Well, The choice we can make when we're in that bit there is the verse in Hebrews. If you can show it up, please. Hebrews 13, 5. This is a verse that often when I'm up here preaching, I keep coming back to this verse. And it's because it's one of my anchor verses. It's one that I hold on to as as the challenges of life come. In the simple version, I will never fail you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Amplified, which is the version trying to really get across the meaning of this verse, God said, I will never under any circumstance desert you, nor give you up or leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake you, nor let you down, nor relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. God is saying I'm there with you. 
whether you feel me or not. And the choice we have to make if we want to have success in 2016 is, is God there or not? So when you feel he's there, yes, we were singing earlier, God, we, we long for your presence. Just give us your presence. His presence is beautiful. But if you don't feel it, is that still relevant when you don't feel it? You've got to hold on to it with all you've got to help you through. Okay, next one, please. And so after the shock and the numbness weighs off, we go into a whole maze of emotions here. I'm going to talk about these emotions because we've got to feel them and process them and at all the time make choices. Now, this is just one choice here, the choice of forgiveness, but there's lots of other choices that we will make. And in the end, if we keep making choices and processing all the emotions, we actually come through into what we call a new normal, a new way of life. It's, it's actually this person here is never going to be the person before the loss. When you go through something really severe, something big, you are changed forever. But you have a choice. So you can come out this person as either you've made good choices and you come out with a new revelation of God, a new hope, a new confidence. Um, you come out with lots of wisdom, new empathy. That's what Joseph did. He made great choices in his grief journey, which he went through so much, yet when he came out, he was ready to be second in charge of Egypt. And you know, God uses grief journeys to just transform us to be like Jesus. There are people in this congregation, I do the journey with you, and you've gone through lots of stuff, but you're coming out so much more like Jesus. All those rough edges are being knocked off. Your lack of sympathy or empathy is knocked off. Your lack of patience, gone. God develops us to be like Jesus. It's beautiful. Or we can be like Mara. And Mara, at the end up there, she said, call me bitter. Why? Because she made bad choices. Thank God that God was gracious to Mara, gave her an incredible daughter-in-law, Ruth, and uh, brought them into the whole um, ancestry of Jesus Christ, which is amazing. But, you know, if oh, it had stopped then, she'd have been known as Mara, the bitter one. So we've got to make great choices. So what do we do when all these emotions are playing up? Because if you want a successful 2016, you've got to do this bit well. So let's have a quick look. Anger. Ho, ho. Anger is almost the secondary emotion that comes through in any sort of grief or loss. You've got to blame somebody or something for that loss, that pain that you're experiencing. Anger can be really good. I remember last year, you know, when things were unfolding, I was getting as mad as a hatter. I was getting so angry. But what did I do with my anger? I realized we do not fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities and powers who wanted to come and, and really damage our church. And so I was able to channel my anger into spiritual warfare. And often the things that happen to you, you know, channel that anger, make it give you energy to put right what is wrong, fight for a cause, fight for victims, whatever you need to do. Or you may just need to have it put you on your knees so you can do spiritual warfare, so you can come through and fight the enemy of your soul, the enemy of the church of, of Jesus Christ. And so anger can be a powerful force. And what does the Bible say about anger? Look at this verse. Ephesians 4.26, be angry 
at sin, immorality, injustice, ungodly behavior, yet do not sin. Do not let your anger cause you shame, nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. Next, in the easy-to-read version, when you're angry, don't let that anger make you sin, and don't say angry all day. So what's it saying? Be angry, but do it right. So swearing your head off like a trooper is not a good way to do anger well. And as representatives of Jesus Christ, we don't need to do that. Hitting out at people or things is not a way to do anger well. There is a way that we can let our anger out in a constructive, good way. And that's another sermon or read a book on it or get somebody to help you with it if you struggle with it. So anger can be good, but be angry, but don't sin. Okay? So that's your choice. So next time you're angry, before you say something you regret, because once words are out, you can't suck them back in. And many people have been damaged by angry words. Watch your words. Just watch that um, response to anger. You okay with that? Yes. Very quiet. Is this, is this an ouch moment? That's okay. I get the challenge too. We've got to do it. Okay? Did I want to swear last year? You bet. I had some choice words I was thinking, but it's like, no, I can't. Even the meditation of my heart has got to be right. And so I choose not to to respond in that way, okay? Your choice, my choice all the time. Okay, then after anger, let's have a look next. Oh, these ones being scared and confused. Oh, yeah. What on earth are we going to do? How am I going to cope with this? What does my future look like? This has come left field. You know, on Christmas Eve, I spent four hours with a family whose husband just fell off the roof and died in his daughter's arms, their whole life totally changed. Came from another country on holidays. They're going back totally changed. And it's like, scared, confused? My life will never be the same. You're right, because when you go up here, it's still never the same again. Losses can change your life forever. When you are scared, when you are confused, what do you do? What do I do? I use another anchor verse. Can I have that one, please? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, another anchor verse of me, of mine. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. In other words, <laughs> you may not be able to work it out. You may not even see the reason. But seek his will in all you do, and he will show you the path to take. Another version says, he will direct your paths. So it's going when things are going belly up and you're going, I don't even know what to do, God. He just says, just trust me. If you trust me and say, God, show me what I must do, he will come through for you. So when you're scared and confused, hold on to this. And you can tell him, God, I don't understand. I can't see the logic and why you let this happen. I don't know what's going on. Do you think that Joseph had that chance to say that? God, here I am, I've got your promises of greatness, and I've just been thrown into prison on a false accusation of rape. He could have gone, what is this? What are you doing? But somehow, even before this was written, he was trusting God, a good, good father. And God was actually using that to save an entire nation, which could have been wiped out in a famine. So God, good. He knows what he's doing. So hold on to that. Okay, the next one, the feeling of being overwhelmed all too much. How can I cope? Will I cope with this? The psalmist says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Another version, it says, um, 
From the ends of the earth, I'll cry to you for help, for my heart is overwhelmed. What do you do when your heart's overwhelmed? When it's just all too big and you don't know what to do? When my heart gets overwhelmed, maybe it's all just happening too much for me, I put my focus back on God. And Matt, you spoke on that. Where we focus is where our emotions and our feelings are going to go. I love the stories of the Old Testament. I love the stories of God saving Daniel and God parting the Red Sea and God doing amazing things. And I focus in on them and I suddenly realize my God can do anything. He is the God of the impossible. He can take what looks impossible and broken and God can turn it around. So I put my focus in on the amazing God. I choose to do that. See, I choose to put my faith in that. I have a choice. Hey, I can throw the towel in. I can walk off here and never come back in again, but I don't do that. I choose to trust always by God's grace. And look, if you're overwhelmed, tell God and just say, God, I am so overwhelmed by this, but I'm choosing to trust you. I'm choosing to focus on you. Now help me. Give me the faith. And he's a supplier of faith. He'll give you what you need to keep bringing you through. Just ask him, okay? He's a good good father. He wants to bring you through. He wants you to win. He wants you to come out a beautiful person into your new normal. Okay? He's there to help you through that. Another thing that we feel, this is an interesting one, being lonely. You can be surrounded by your family. You can be surrounded by us as a church family, but you'll always have a a hole in their void because it's your grief journey that you're traveling and no one else is traveling exactly the same. Even members of your family not doing exactly the same. There's a sense of loneliness. That's why we can be helping you and then we hear you say, nobody's helped us. And we think, what? You've had meals every night, nobody's helping you? Because there's a loneliness there. We understand that. In that loneliness, that's where you go to God and say, God, I feel so alone in my journey. Can you help me? And the good, good father looks at us and says, of course. I'm there for you. He's there to give you what you need. You don't have to do life alone. God is there as your good father. So that's loneliness. And then this one, being depressed and feeling sad. Oh, that just comes in as part of the journey, that feeling, ugh. What do we do when we feel, ugh? Well, first of all, express your emotions. It's okay to cry. Don't stop people from crying. And it's great to tell your emotions to either a trusted friend or back to Father God. But when my emotions are going haywire and I'm having a real pity party day, I have to make a choice. So the two ways that I come out of the the pit of emotions is this. First of all, I count my blessings. And, you know, Pastor John regularly speaks off his pulpit. Count your blessings when you're feeling down or when you're not feeling down, count your blessings. Be grateful for what you have. And I can remember um, just one, one night last year when it was, the going was tough and I was feeling, you know, a bit, a bit painful. And I was sitting in my bedroom and thinking, yeah, I'm having a hard day here. What will I do with this? And I'm sitting there and I thought, okay, I've got to count my blessings. And I had a choice. Will I practice what we preach or will I just throw a pity party? But I knew that wouldn't get me anywhere, and I, I just don't want to be an average Christian. I want to be a triumphant Christian, so I have a choice. Okay, so the difference between average, mediocre, and one that wins is you make good choices. And so I was sitting there, and I looked at the carpet, and I went, 
God, thank you for my carpet. And then I followed my eyes of the carpet to the, I've forgotten the name, skirting board, thank you. I followed my eyes to the skirting board and I said, Lord, and thank you for the skirting boards holding my carpet down. And thank you for the nails that are holding the skirting board against the wall. And at that point, I did what you just did and I started to laugh. And I thought, that's ridiculous, you know, but that's good, okay. And then I was looking at other things and just beginning to thank God. And I was doing it so ridiculously, I began to laugh and immediately my spirit began to rise. Yeah, began to feel better because counting your blessings is wonderful, changes your focus. Like Matt said, puts your focus somewhere. And life is not that bad when you change your focus. You suddenly get everything in perspective. So I count my blessings. And the second thing is that I choose to trust and I choose to sing. And so, hey, you saw us sing on the pulpit last week. You're not going to see that for another 10 years, all right? So, you know, you are. I was more scared about that than even preaching this morning. But um, anyway, but I choose to sing. And so I will start to worship. And I'll go down on my piano and I will just start to worship on the piano. And I start to feel better. Do I feel like that always? No. But I choose to. And look, the reason why I'm emphasizing that is because it's not easy when you're in the pits, when you're in this journey, when things are going tough. But that is the time when it's going to make the difference to how you're going to... Oh, go back. Can I have the JPEG? Thanks. It's going to make the difference to here. What are you going to be like at the other end of your grief journey, of that challenge that you're going through? The choices you make in the dark times are going to really determine what it's going to be there. And the choices that God wants, well, he's got lots of things for us, but just four very brief ones. He wants us to exercise forgiveness Often loss, grief, something that's caused it, someone has caused it. You've got to learn to forgive. And that's another sermon. Do your own research on what does it mean to forgive truly, but that's really important. You've got to choose to trust. You've got to choose to keep your integrity. You can make bad choices when you're feeling bad. When you're in the pits, you can try anything for instant gratification to make you feel better. But you're going to take that consequence out when you come out the other end. So it's when you're at your most vulnerable, when the, the proverbial chips are down, when it's dark and you're hanging on by your fingernails. You make a bad choice against your integrity there, and you'll wear that when you go into your new normal. So that's when we have to be really careful. Please remember this when it's really dark for you. Because I want you to be a winner. It's not going to be easy, but we make the choices and we can come out fantastic and please God and also be great for us. So just avoid the, the bad choices. So, you know, I, I've given you that journey there as a model. And if you want a copy of that, it's downstairs in the information desk. Um, is life always bad? <laughs> no. I just see a lot of the bad stuff. Okay. But let me show you a verse that I love in, Ro in Romans chapter 8. And this is from the Amplified. It says this, The resurrection life that you receive from God is not a timid life, not a boring life. It's not a plain life. It's not a, ah, let's just go through this Christian stuff. Please, don't, don't have that. That's horrible life. Okay? It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a child like, What's next, Papa? Hey, God, good morning. What are we going to do today? Um, John gave the challenge 
think it was the end of last year, about how we should wake up and say, morning, Holy Spirit, what have we got in store today? You know, you should try that. See what God does for you. So God has a great life for you. In fact, your life was written before you were even born. God had the plans for you. Psalms 139 talks about God knowing your life before it began. He's got great plans for you. If you haven't invited him into your life, then he can't help your plan unfold. But if you've invited God into your life, he's got a destiny for you. God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, good, good father, and we know who we are, father and children. I loved um, Matt's linking of, you know, the adoption. And God says, I've adopted you into my family. God's design is for us to be the sons of God, the daughters of God. How cool is that? Yeah, that's his choice. We know what we're going to get, what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance, both now and in eternity. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. God has a beautiful plan. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.